Good afternoon, everybody. How's it going? It's Edward here for my first podcast of soccer, foot, and football. Super excited to be here. Uh, super excited to launch this podcast and get the ball rolling here. So I hope you're excited to be listening. I hope that you'll listen to future episodes and stay on this journey with me. Uh, as the name suggests, this podcast is indeed about soccer. Uh, in fact, in today's part one of the podcast, I'm going to be explaining what the podcast is going to be about um, in terms of what soccer we are going to talk about, what leagues, uh, whether we're doing interviews, whether we're doing reviews, that type of thing. I will address all of that in part one. Uh, in part two of this podcast, I will be doing a Barclays Premier League or English Premier League, depending on how you like to call it, review of the midseason. There have been 21 games played already for most teams, so it's about that time of year to do some reviews, to talk about what's been going on, what to expect in the future, uh, what the table's looking like, that sort of thing. And finally, we're just going to talk about, in part three, a couple news stories going on uh, in the footballing world, and we'll probably end it there. So yeah, join me uh, for part one. Welcome to part one. Uh, like I said, part one is just going to be me talking about the podcast itself and what it's going to be about um, and why I'm launching it too. So so I guess we'll start with that, why I'm launching it. Um, soccer has always been a very important part of my life, a huge part of my life. It was with me when I was growing up, playing it, watching it, talking about it with friends, with family, so on and so forth. Um, the game just taught me so much, taught me... Taught me a lot of life lessons that you can take off the field and, and apply to your to your regular life. I'm sure that if you're here listening, it means uh, soccer has been an important part of your life too. It means that you also uh, like listening or talking about it as much as I do. So uh, I'm glad you're here with me. In terms of what this podcast is going to talk about, we're going to do a couple different things throughout the series. Mostly we're going to be doing a lot about um, the English Premier League and the League One in France. Those are the two leagues that I'm interested in the most. Those are the two leagues that I follow the most. Those are the two leagues that I think I can talk about the most and, and share my, my perspective on. So we're going to be doing some reviews just like today. We're going to be doing an English Premier League review. We're going to be doing some match analysis. We're going to be doing some predictions, all, all that type of thing will be focused primarily on the English Premier League and League One soccer. But even though those are the two that I will tend to focus on the most, I'm definitely going to be talking about the Champions League a lot, talking about Serie A, talking about La Liga, talking about the Bundesliga, so on and so forth. I really try to follow as many leagues as I can, um, including the MLS for those American fans out there. Um, so we're really going to be addressing a lot of different leagues, a lot of different soccer. If you follow it, I probably will talk about it at some point. Um, so definitely stay tuned for all those different leagues when we talk about them. But like I said, primarily focused on the English Premier League and League One soccer. The second aspect of this series of podcasts is going to be just general news stories around football or soccer, um, whether that's transfers, whether that's financial situations for different clubs um, or, or anything else, just rumors or speculation about different players, that, that sort of thing. I will try to cover some news stories as much as I can as well. The third part of the series, generally speaking, is going to be some interviews. I've met a lot of people um, 
in the soccer world who who either play an important role in soccer or for whom soccer has played an important role in their life. We're going to be trying to interview some of those people, find out their life story, especially as it revolves around soccer, um, so that they can share with us. So I'll give you an example. I'm currently working on trying to get a college soccer player in the United States to tell us about um, the recruitment process in the U.S., how it works, um, his experience with it, um, and now what it's like playing college uh, soccer in the United States and and uh, what it means for for young kids who, who might want to do the same. Finally, the fourth aspect of this series of podcasts is going to be some larger projects every once in a while. Uh, I'm not sure how frequent I'll be able to make these, but for example, I know Deloitte comes out with a report on the financial aspects of soccer um, annually. I think it would be really interesting once that comes out to to look at it, to comment on it, um, and to address that with you guys. So those are the four main things that I think this podcast series is going to be about. And without further ado, we can go along to part two so you can get a taste of, uh, of my English Premier League analysis. Welcome to part two, and what an absolutely crazy half season we have had in the English Premier League. It's been great to watch with some great performances, some great games, some crazy upsets, and some devastating losses, and everything in between. It's been absolutely fantastic to watch. Um, So what I think we're going to do just to help us uh, have some form of organization as I do the review is just go through the table kind of talk about what I see, talk about some of the teams, that sort of thing. And I mean, the first thing you see when you look at the table is is Liverpool in bright red up there at the top. 20 games played, 19-1, one draw, zero losses. Absolutely crazy stats. I mean, 58 points out of a possible 60. That's That just blows me away. Absolutely crazy start for them. Um, or start and even further than start. I mean, they've played 20 games. That's over half their games, and they, they've they won 19. I mean, what more can you say? They're 13 points ahead of Leicester, who's in second, uh, and have a game in hand too. So that could be as many as 16 points ahead after Liverpool's next game, um, or once they catch up that game in hand, rather. They have beaten pretty much everybody. I mean, they they beat City 3-1, to one. They beat Chelsea in London 2-1. They beat Leicester 4-0 away on December 26th. And they beat them 2-1 at Anfield. So, I mean, those are some crazy teams to beat. And they they even beat Spurs 2-1 as well. Um, Their only draw is against Manchester United at Old Trafford 1-1. So, I mean, 1-1 at Old Trafford is not a bad result at all. Despite United having ups and downs this year, 1-1 at Old Trafford being your only draw. I mean... Wow, that's all you can really say is wow. Um, I think really Liverpool's performances are are really exemplified by by their latest game against Sheffield. Um, they won 2-0. I had a chance to watch that game and uh, not live. I'm on TV, obviously, and it was it just showed what Liverpool really is about. I mean, they scored in the fourth minute. Mo Salah, calm as you like, just passing it in the back of the net. After an outside back, Robertson, in this case, did all the work. I mean, <laughs> really shows Liverpool's play, I think, in terms of their reliance on their outside backs, Robertson and, and Alex Arnold. And why would you not rely on them after uh, after the tremendous season they, they're, they had last year and are having again this year? I mean, if you look at the top uh, 
top players with the most assists this season. You have Trent Alexander-Arnold in second with eight assists. And you have Robertson in tied fifth with six assists. And one of the people he's actually tied with is his teammate Sadio Mane, who also has six. So when you have three of the top uh, players in terms of assists, I mean, it definitely helps you get a go a long way. They also have three of the top players in terms of total passing. I mean, Van Dyke is the number one player for total passes in the season thus far with 1,615 total passes. Absolutely crazy numbers. He's got over 200 more passes than second place, and that's Kurt Zuma from Chelsea. And rounding out the top 10 is Trent Alexander-Arnold and Andrew Robertson. So, again, just showing, uh, showing Liverpool's play through the outside backs and uh, why would you not use them when they're probably two of the best outside backs in the world, if not the two best outside backs in the world? They're, they've been absolutely crazy to watch, fun to watch. And, uh, and Liverpool just went on to control that game against Sheffield. Never really uh, looked too much in danger. Uh, I mean, when you got control tower Virgil van Dijk back there and Allison in goal, I mean, you're, you're pretty safe. Um, Allison has had... Five clean sheets so far. I was just checking my notes. Which means he's tied for seventh in the BPL. So not not as high as you would think maybe. Uh, but Liverpool have only conceded 14 goals. Um, making them the best de- the best defense in the English Premier League so far this year. Um, so really really the best all-around team. And, and it's hard to argue otherwise. I think I think this year might be their year. Uh, I know uh, I know Liverpool fans say it all the time. I'm personally not a Liverpool fan, um, but but I think this year could be the year the, that they do it. Uh, their next game is actually against Tottenham, and uh, I believe it is tomorrow. And I don't see any reason why they can't uh, continue their streak. I think they're going to go on to win that game 2-0. Um, I don't really have any ideas for the goal scorers. I'm sure it'll be something like. Uh, Mane, and you know what? We'll throw in uh, Wijnaldum. Why not? We'll say 2-0 Liverpool with goals from Mane and Wijnaldum against Tottenham this weekend. Then uh, if we move on from Liverpool and go on to Leicester in second place, I mean, what a what a pleasant surprise again. I did, personally did not have them in my top four going into the season. I actually didn't have Chelsea in my top four either, and they're in fourth. So two surprise teams in, in my eyes, and in the top four, I think I expected more Tottenham in there. Um, I'll even admit I expected Arsenal to have a better to have a better season, but I'll talk about them later. Right now, let's focus on uh, on Leicester and uh, what a good season they've been having. And I think what really what really summarizes Leicester is the fact that they have the best uh, goal scorer in the Premier League and the best goalkeeper in terms of clean sheets in the Premier League. Jamie Vardy's got 17 goals. That makes him four goals ahead of second place. Pierre-Enrico Mabayang and Danny Ings, who both have 13. And Kasper Schmeichel's got eight clean sheets. So he's at the top of the clean sheets leaderboard all by himself uh, with one more clean sheet than both Dean Henderson and Nick Pope from Sheffield and Burnley, respectively. So when you have the best goal scorer and the most clean sheets, I mean, you're going to have a good year. <laughs> so Leicester's in second. 13 points behind Liverpool, but I'm sure if you had told them at the start of the season that after having played 21 games, they'd be in second place with 45 points, they would have signed that piece of paper right away. Uh, I actually went to go check 
how many points they had after 21 games in the 15-16 season. Uh, for those of you who don't remember, that's the year Leicester actually won the league and, and made us all dream. And after 21 games that year, they had 45 points. So, or excuse me, 43 points. So they actually have two more points this year than they did the year they won the title, um, despite being second place this year. And that just goes to show how Liverpool has been dominant and having an incredible season. But, but Leicester is as well, clearly. I mean, they're, they're outperforming their championship year by two points thus far. They have the top goal scorer and the most clean sheets. So Leicester, really impressive. Um, from a neutral standpoint, I hope they keep it up. I mean, it's great to see a team like Leicester City with who doesn't have the budget of a Liverpool or a City be up there and, and fight for their spot. So good to see them. However, them being in second does mean Manchester City is in third, which is a surprise to to many. Uh, they do have 44 points, so only a p- one point behind Leicester. But what I think uh, what I think stands out about about City is is their attack. I mean, they have the most goals in England with 56 goals scored. Uh, that's more than Liverpool, who have 49. So seven more goals. Uh, they only have one more game played than Liverpool. Uh, I'd like to think that Liverpool won't score seven, but who knows? Maybe they'll prove me wrong and score seven and be the tied, tied best attack in the league. But uh, as of right now, City has the most goals in England with 56. And they also have the most total passes out of any team and the most total crosses. So clearly they've been dominant on the offensive front. But what's, uh, what's a little bit lacking behind is, is Manchester City's defense. They have 24 goals against, which is five more than City, or Leicester City, I should say, and which is uh, 10 more than Liverpool. So lots of goals being conceded, and that has come out to, be, to mean five losses for them. Um, Liverpool obviously have zero losses. Leicester City has four, and, but City has five. And when you look at those losses, it's really obviously when, they, uh, when they're conceding those, uh, those additional goals. I mean, they lost 3-2 to two at Wolves on December 27th. Lost 3-2 at Norwich on September 14th. And their other losses are against Wolves again, uh, Manchester United, and Liverpool. So, I mean, apart from the Norwich loss, they're not really losses to be ashamed of. I mean, Wolves just goes and, and beats all the big teams. <laughs> That's what they're known for. So, um, but, but they've definitely conceded a lot of goals in the games they're losing. And, and I think that... That really highlights how much uh, Laporte, the French center back, has been uh, missing for them. I think uh, his performances sometimes get uh, get criticized, uh, even by the French coach Didier Deschamps. Uh, but but you take him out of the Man- Manchester City lineup, and they uh, they start conceding a lot more goals and looking a lot more fragile, and <clears throat> so the points start uh, start going away. But uh, but I think. Manchester City this year maybe has another priority than the BPL. I think their their priority is the Champions League, and and they're still still in that competition, still doing well, and it can go a really long way. So, uh, I think uh, Manchester City will be pursuing the Champions League a little bit more than the than the Premier League this year, trying to trying to get uh, that trophy at the end of the season. Then uh, if we move on to Chelsea. Chelsea's got 36 points, so a little bit detached from the top three. Eight points behind Manchester City. Uh, but, I mean, what a strong performance by Chelsea. You really have to respect what they've done in terms of 
using their youth, relying on on their players because of the transfer ban they had, obviously. And uh, they're doing really well. I mean, they, they even have a, a signature win kind of thing. They beat Spurs at, uh, at Spurs 2-0. So very good win for them. And, I mean, if you take away their first loss of the season, which was 4-0 to Manchester United, if you take that away, I'll, I mean, they're doing... They're doing bits, really. They're they're having a great season so far. So, really have to respect it. Um, they're really, really playing well all around. Uh, I think it's really one of those teams where where no one stands out that much because of uh, how well they've been doing in terms of uh, cycling around the midfield um, and finding different ways to score. I mean, Tammy Abraham does have 12 goals on the season, so that is important to to note, of course. And and Kurt Zuma, like I said, is the second best uh, or has the second most passes in the Premier League so far this year. But but they're really uh, really playing together uh, as a whole. Different players are stepping up when they need them. Uh, like even Pulisic stand, stood up when uh, when called upon towards the towards the latter half of the of the first half of the season. But uh, unfortunate news for him, he is going to be out for a couple weeks. That news came out today. Frank Lampard addressed it. Uh, in a press conference and talked about that uh, Pulisic will be missing a couple weeks. So unfortunate for Chelsea, but uh, hopefully for them they can they can keep it up and have a strong second half of the year and hang on to that top four spot. We know how important it is in terms of qualification for the Champions League. So hopefully for them they can uh, they can stay in it. Uh, if they do stay in it though, they'll be pushing away Manchester United, who is currently in fifth with 31 points, so five points off Chelsea's pace. And Man U, I mean, they've had a interesting season, I guess is the way to put it. Sometimes you feel like they're they're playing terribly and they're they're not they can't get anything right and and Ole is going to get fired and and that sort of thing, but but then you you turn around and Anthony Martial is scoring uh, two goals and assisting Rashford on the third and and suddenly Man U look like a real threat. I mean, plenty of ups and downs in Man U's season so far. Uh, really highlighted by the fact that they've won eight, drawn seven, and lost six. Um, so they they do have a better defense than uh, than Chelsea. Interestingly enough, in terms of uh, goals against, Chelsea has twenty nine and United has twenty five. But uh, but it's really been a an interesting season for Manchester United. It'll be it'll be interesting to see if Ole can keep his job. See where Manchester United end up. In my opinion, if I had to. Uh, to put a wager on it, I'd say that uh, Ole does keep his job until the end of the season at least. Uh, I don't think he'll get fired unless something drastic happens. Um, I mean, Manchester United is in fifth. They are only five points off Chelsea's pace. They can try and push for that that fourth in Champions League spot. And, uh, I mean, why would you fire Ole when he has a chance of getting that? I think that would be a, a mistake. And they're managing to, to stay relatively on pace despite... Despite some injuries, I mean, Martial's been missed a lot, and we've seen when he's come back, he's managed to do to do some good things for United. and And Pogba's been out for for a while now and had surgery a couple days ago, if I'm not mistaken. So uh, even without some of their most important players, they've they've done okay. Um, I think it's just sometimes the pressure of a club such as Manchester United makes it seem as though they're doing worse than they really are. I mean, Maguire has is, is faced that. He uh, he gets criticized for, for every little mistake he makes just because of the price tag on his back. Do I believe he's worth that price tag? Personally, probably not. But 
he he's had some good performances for United so far, in my opinion, and and I think uh, sometimes the the spotlight is a little too big in Manchester, and it it works against them when things aren't uh, aren't as good as the uh, Alex Ferguson days. Finally, going into sixth position, we have Tottenham Hotspurs, and uh, honestly, it's been a little disappointing for Tottenham. I expected them to be third going into the year. Uh, I thought Liverpool and Manchester City would be top two, racing it out for for the title, and and Tottenham would be would be sitting in third comfortably. But but they're in sixth uh, with thirty points, so only one point away from Manchester United. But but uh, they're not looking too, too great. I mean, they had to obviously hire Mourinho after Pochettino got fired. And Mourinho's been trying to put his team into place, but uh, it's been a little bit difficult for Tottenham, um, trying to find the right balance of, uh, of switching the play style from Pochettino to Mourinho, who very different play styles, at least in my opinion. I mean, Mourinho, as we know, is a lot more defensive. First game in, he, he brought Dyer into the starting lineup and... And had to pull him out just a a couple minutes later because of subpar performance. But um, Tottenham, I think, will probably have a strong second half of the season um, despite Harry Kane's injury. Harry Kane is going to be out for, I believe, a couple months. But I think with Hummingson, they might uh, recruit an additional forward just for these couple months to try and help him out. And I think uh, Mourinho and... And the rest of Tottenham will start uh, start making that clock work and uh, have a strong second half of the season, I think. Behind them, we have Wolverhampton Wanderers, who, I mean, have have been the typical Wolves we know and love, who uh, beat the big teams and sometimes lose to the teams they should not be losing to. So Wolves games are always fun to watch because uh, you never know what can happen. They could beat City 3-2 to two or... Or lose to to a team you'd expect them to beat. So so Wolves are definitely an interesting team to keep an eye on. But uh, with with their lack of consistency, uh, I don't see them getting any higher than seventh where they are right now. I don't think they'll pass anybody. Uh, I don't want to go through every team, but I just want to point a couple things out as we go. Um, Sheffield in eight. I mean, wow. Sheffield United eighth place after 21 games played. Super impressive. I mean, their defense has been absolutely locked down. And uh, and you have to respect that. I mean, only 21 goals conceded um, so far this year in 21 games. And uh, I was I was one that uh, thought Sheffield was was maybe going to be fighting to avoid relegation, but here they are in eighth, 29 points, and uh, Bournemouth, the first team in the relegation zone, is 20 points. So nine points is is not comfortable, but. Uh, it is a healthy uh, lead on, on the relegation zone. And then as we start going down, I do want to mention Arsenal a little bit in 10th place. 27 points, uh, only 6 wins, um, 9 losses, or excuse me, 9 ties and 6 losses. But, uh, but they have not looked very good. I thought going into the season that their recruitment had been better than in previous years in terms of trying to focus a little bit more on the defense um, to try and address the defensive problems because the offense usually ticks fairly well, but uh, but Arsenal concede too many goals and they haven't seemed to uh, to resolve the issues. I mean, even with with a change of coach and Arteta, of course he needs he needs some more time. He just got his first win of the season actually uh, against Manchester United 2-0. That was a very good win for Arteta, but 
But before that, I mean, the Arsenal had struggled, 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 even at home, even at the Emirates, just not playing well, not playing Arsenal football, um, and just just losing losing important games and and tying games when they had leads and and really being, I think, uh, in my opinion, mentally mentally weak. They weren't they weren't closing out games. They weren't being able to respond to the controversy, and they they struggled. So. So now they have a lot of work to do in the second half of the season to to catch up. Um, I think the Champions League is is definitely not an option for Arsenal in terms of catching up to to the top four. Can they maybe finish between five and seven somewhere? Maybe if they have a very strong second half of the season. I mean they're f- they're only four points off Manchester United, who is in fifth. It feels like they're they should be further away based on how poorly they've played, but but they're only four points off, so. Uh, a strong second half could could really help them. Um, Everton in 11th is also a surprise, uh, but 11th is is good compared to uh, where they were at the start of the season. I mean, they were in 18th. Uh, it feels like not so long ago, uh, but now under uh, Carlos Ancelotti, they they've managed to climb back up. They have uh, they've only lost one of their last five. They're on 25 points. I think Everton will end up in the top 10 somewhere. Uh, right where they should be, right where they are every year, doing, doing their part. <clears throat> uh, finally, as we head down, some, some good performances here and there by Southampton, Newcastle, Brighton. Uh, but uh, let's go on to the relegation zone where we have Bournemouth, Watford, and Norwich City, respectively, with 20, 19, and 14 points. Uh, Norwich is 20th with 14. They are seven points away from 17th Aston Villa. So really struggling. I mean, seven points uh, away with 21 games played. That means there are 17 games left. That's going to be hard to catch up. I mean, it's it's going to be a challenge. Norwich have beaten teams like City, so that theoretically they could beat anybody. But uh, I think it'll be extremely difficult for them. Um, Watford does have 19 points, so they're only two points away from Aston Villa. And Watford's next game is actually against Bournemouth, who is one point ahead of Watford. So that's going to be a very important game um, to figure out the relegation zone as Aston Villa is playing Manchester City in their next game. So the winner of Watford-Bournemouth could very well pass Aston Villa, um, given that they have such a challenging game against Manchester City. Uh, If I had to uh, pick a winner, I would probably go with Bournemouth. I think offensively, um, they're a lot smoother than Wofford. They do have um, tw- 20 goals scored so far this year. Uh, Watford only has 17. But uh, but I, I think in terms of uh, style of play, I, I, I think Bournemouth will take this one um, and therefore jump Aston Villa and even perhaps jump West Ham, who is in 16th position, just a couple points ahead of Bournemouth. So I would say my... My ending uh, bottom three at the end of the season, I'm going to say Norwich stays in 20th. I'm also going to say that Aston Villa is going to go down. They're currently in 17th. And finally, I'm going to pick Watford to be in 18th. I think Bournemouth managed to uh, to stay ahead of Aston Villa after after this weekend when I think they'll jump them. And I think the bottom three is... Uh, is Watford in 18th, Aston Villa in 19th, and Norwich in 20th. That's just a prediction. We'll see from there. And I'll also give you my top four in order. I think Liverpool win the league. 
I do think Manchester City is going to have a pretty good second half of the season. They're not going to challenge Liverpool, but they will finish second. I think Leicester City can hold on to that third position, and I'm going to go ahead and say that Tottenham will actually clinch the fourth position. They are six points behind Chelsea right now, so it's going to be a lot of work. Uh, but I do believe they can go ahead and finish fourth. So I got Liverpool, Manchester City, Leicester City, and Tottenham in that order. And then um, Chelsea and Manchester United will probably end up being five and six, depending on uh, how well Wolves can can do in the second half of the season and, and even how well Arsenal can do if they can come back into it. But yeah, that's it for my uh, English Premier League review. And join me for part three as we cover some uh, news stories. Welcome to the third and final part. Now, I realize that this podcast is starting to run a little bit long. So I just want to share a couple different news stories with you. Uh, the first of which was the Atletico versus Barcelona game yesterday, which ended 3-2 to two in favor of Atletico in the Spanish Cup game. Uh, Barcelona was leading 2-1 at one point, but Morata scored a pen at the 81st minute before Carrera got the winner in the 86th minute, uh, qualifying Atletico Madrid for the Spanish Cup final against Real Madrid. Uh, so definitely a big story there. And, and as part of the game, some of the, some of the images that were floating around were, were the, quote, bullying, unquote, of Juan Felix uh, by Jordi Alba, who kind of stuck his finger in in Juan Felix's face, and then Messi went to go talk to him, and then Suarez went to go talk to him, try to try to give him the big boy impression, you know. But but I think it's uh, I think it's a part of the game. I think I think no one overreacted. I think it was uh, it was handled quite well, and I think people were making more of a story than it needed to be. I mean, Juan Felix, uh, although he's a young player, he can he can handle himself well. He's a good player, and I actually think the fact that Messi, Suarez, and Alba all tried to uh, intimidate him is probably a a sign of respect, really. It shows that they think Juan Felix was really a threatening force in the game. So uh, I think he should take it as a compliment. And there really is no story there, in my opinion. Uh, there is a story, however, the fact that the games are being played in Saudi Arabia. Uh, the Spanish Cup was actually bought by Saudi Arabia for over 100 million euros. I think about 120 million euros, actually. So that the games are played in Saudi Arabia. Um, so I personally don't have a... A huge opinion on it. I think uh, some people are definitely angry because it, especially fans of Spanish teams, because it just shows to the extent at which soccer is becoming or is already a, a really a business. Um, if you can start selling your home games to go all the way to Saudi Arabia, I mean, it's really far. But uh, that's what the Spanish um, that's what the Spanish league did. They they sold the Spanish Cup to Saudi Arabia, so. The games are being played there in the final, which is uh, Atletico Madrid versus Real Madrid will be played there too. I think it's a little bit disappointing that, that you don't have the Atletico versus Real final actually being played in the nation's capital in Madrid. Um, but, but I mean, uh, if that's what they decide to do, that's what they decide to do. So, um, so yeah. And then in uh, other Barcelona news, Suarez is having, or just had, I think, surgery on his knee. So he's going to be missing several weeks, but... I don't think Barcelona has too much to worry about. I mean, you can just slide Griezmann up top, and you have, uh, I mean, a huge amount of wingers you can slide in for Barcelona, so nothing too much to worry about as long as he's fit come important Champions League games. And Barcelona is also talking to Xavi about potentially becoming the next head coach, the next manager. 
That's according to one football. So that would be uh, very interesting to keep an eye on, um, whether or not Xavi becomes the next uh, the next manager of Barcelona. Uh, finally, just I want to share one more story with you. Uh, the Spurs are actually looking at Luka Jovic, uh, the striker from Frank- Frankfurt who went to Real Madrid last summer, um, who is struggling to get a little bit of playing time because Benzema, when he's not injured, is having an excellent season. And Spurs are in need of a striker while uh, while Harry Kane is in uh, has an injury. So could be an interesting move for all parties involved in terms of getting Luka Jovic some playing time um, before he he can go back to Real Madrid if this is alone and, and Spurs need a short-term striker. So I think it's something that could happen. I think it's interesting for all parties. And and yeah, uh, without further ado, that's going to be the end of this first podcast. So thank you very much for sticking with me throughout the uh, 32 minutes, it looks like. And uh, I hope you have an excellent day, and I hope you're back for episode two. Thank you very much. <laughs>